Ryan. And I'm Steve, and this is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, mining, fixing, breaking, breakering, breakering, <laughs> reviewing, playing podcast. We're back at it again. I'm wearing a blue shirt. Steve is wearing a gray shirt. Our first <laughs> ad was is, sent to uh, us from I Craig sh- Breslin. I should have had this ready to go. Yeah, how dare you? This is from uh, UK Guitar Amp Gear Exchange. This is a BC Rich Warlock from the NJ series. It's extremely rare. Yeah. Uh, well, something about it that makes it extremely rare is it ain't got no tuners on it. It's got this completely blank headstock. No tuners, no holes at all. But Ryan, where do you put the strings? Well, it's, well, Steve, <laughs> it's got this uh, this Floyd Rose speed loader system. That when did these come out? I want to say it was it got had to be like I want to two thousand two. I was thinking four, but yeah, two is might be closer. It might have even been earlier than that, like ninety eight or something like that. I actually don't didn't even realize that these um uh made it out uh, like that anybody used these outside of Floyd Rose's own brand of guitars. Yeah. Cause they had their own guitars for a while yeah. that used this system. I wonder how many companies did this. Yeah. This is a stunning and very rare BC rich, excellent condition overall seeing these sell for around a hundred pounds on eBay, uh, which that explains why you're selling it for 250 pounds. Uh, <laughs> these are very rare. As they have no tuners and come with special Floyd Rose speed loader bridge that allows lightning fast string changes. I have a spare set of strings to go with it. Guitar is pretty much mint condition. This is not to be confused with the budget BC Rich guitars. This is a premium range guitar. They're only made for a limited time, so it's definitely a future classic. Do you think this is a future classic, Ryan? No, I don't. I mean, I will agree that the BC Rich, I believe the NJ series is one of their like higher end series. Um, I can't speak to how high end this was a Korean built guitar. So I'm, I'm guessing this some, is probably like a six or seven. I've seen some speed loaders that were made by Ed Roman, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. The Ed Roman, Ed Roman. I don't, I don't want to say he didn't make guitars, but I don't know how much was like him modifying stuff versus. No, he made know. them. Did he actually make them or he had someone make them? I'm seeing a Jackson with speed loader with a speed loader. I think a few of the metal brands tried it out. Okay. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but basically what this is, is a system where the bullet part of the headstock, like this is like an exact size string. It's an exact size string that you, you drop into your bridge and your nut and there's a bullet like literally a bullet shaped chunk of metal yeah. on the edge of each string. And you just, you depress the, uh, the Floyd Rose trim a bit. So it's slack. You slide in the bullet on each end and you let it go. And in theory, your string should be close to perfectly in tune. Yeah, this has like the, what the, like the little micro tuners. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it has this, the standard like Floyd Rose style micro tuners that yeah. you've come to know and love from Floyd Rose. But I, I the moment this came out, it just felt like this is doomed technology because it's like you don't want to buy a guitar based around its string system. Right. And it's like once you buy this guitar, you can only buy these proprietary strings that are made by Floyd Rose. No one else was going to bother to license this design from Floyd Rose to make. Seriously. You're like, 
Ernie Ball Super Slinky speed loaders or, you know, Dean Markley speed loaders or, you know, Diderio speed loaders or something like that. Think- like no one, no one is interested because it's such a niche thing and it's like solving like a problem. That's kind of a real problem, but it also kind of just exists it's again, in people's it's like, just, in, wor- in the back of people's worry work mind. Like, right. Oh man, what if I have to change a string mid set? On my Floyd Rose, yeah. I mean the the realistic way to deal with that is to bring a second guitar, which you should do anyways if you're serious about your gig. If you're not serious about your gig like me, then you just don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, but like, even though it's a speed loader and you can change those strings super fast, yeah, it's still not really fast enough to do it mid set. Like you're gonna run over your case, fumble around in your case, find the exact string you need, speed load it in there. You're still gonna have to do some micro adjustments to get it in tune it's much faster to grab a backup guitar right. that you actually like that isn't committed to the speed loader thing. Did you ever play these? I've, I have. I've seen them. Well, I've, I've played the Floyd Rose version. Right. Yeah. Right. Which it, were, they were kind of cool guitars. It's a guitar. And it's also funny that like nowadays when these came out, headless guitars were super faux pas. Like no one wanted a headless guitar anymore. That was so eighties, mm-hmm. you know, but now headless guitars are back and this is a design that's perfect for, Headless. Right. Even the Floyd Rose <laughs> ones had a headstock. They did. No, everything that uses still had a headstock, which is comical now because, like, the headless, headless guitars are so invoked. Right, right. Like, there's no reason for any of these guitars to have a head other than to be like, oh, don't worry, it's not headless. Yeah, it's not ugly. Don't worry, it's not, you know, like, an 80s keytar design or whatever. Um. You can still buy these strings online. Yeah, we figured that out. We <laughs> we jumped onto Musician's Friend, which is like the first link that came up. You can still buy these strings. I'm sure there's a warehouse somewhere that's just packed full of them because yeah. they expected it to blow up. I mean, you know, to be fair, they're trying to solve like one of the main gripes with the Floyd Rose system. That it takes too long to to restring. You've got to. You it's got, impossible to restring, and if you break a string, the entire thing falls out of tune. You've got to snip. Is ball. that second part accurate? If you break a string, the whole thing's going to fall out of tune. Okay, but you could say that for any floating trim set. Like if you've got right, that's why a always, Jaguar or right. a Big Speed or one of those, uh, you know, uh, uh, Big Speed style ones from that company. I can't remember. Duesenberg. Oh, Duesenberg. Like a doozy trim. Yeah. Like all of those, you're going to lose tuning on all your strings if a string breaks because it's a floating. On a Floyd Rose, how hard is it to recover from that? Oh, to change the easy? To change the string. I'm not saying to change the string, like to say just finish the set with five strings. No, you can't can't play anymore if you're playing with anything more than a drummer. Like if you're playing with a bassist or another guitarist, it's over. Right, but I'm saying like on a, if I have my strat, a strat set up for float and I break a string, I just retune. You can't do that on a Floyd well, Rose because on a Floyd Rose you'd have to undo the nut, right? To tune okay. from the tuner. You don't have enough. You generally don't have enough play on the micro to no. overcome like a full step drop. No. Okay. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And you also, found my weak just, spot. Guys. It would just be a lot of like Floyd like, Rose guitars. I know nothing. <laughs> We're like, yeah, I guess technically with a big speed design or a strap design, if it's floating, you could tune up if you're quick in a minute. Yeah, I mean, you lose like half, you lose like half of a song. But, but it's like a Floyd Rose, you break a random string. It's like a five minute ordeal if you're quick right. to change that string because you got to have tools too. You got to undo 
the the nut clamps. Then you've got to undo the string uh, bridge saddle clamp. Then you've got to get the string. You've got to trim off the ball end with wire cutters. And then you got to put it in there and clamp it down with an mm. Allen wrench and then clamp the nut with an Allen wrench. So it's like this design solves that problem, mm-hmm. but then it causes more problems too because you can never do alternate tunings with this. Right. You can never – like and I mean with everything Floyd can Rose – Can you not do alternate – like, like you don't – there's no – the, no, there's not enough range these, on the micro tuners. These strings will only do standard tuning unless they sell sets that do other tunings. So it's like you couldn't th- you couldn't throw like that that heavy like C set that I got onto here right. and do C tuning. You couldn't do like these super heavy metal tunings that people use now with these because they're locked in to standard E tuning. Like even if you want to do, drop D, you're kind of screwed. Interesting. I mean, I think you could maybe wrangle drop D from the micro tuners. Right. Maybe. So this got me thinking about other um, products that have been on the market where um, you kind of look at it and you're like, that is a niche that is going to vanish. Like that is right. a product that's so specific. And the first one that came to mind for me, because they're really cool and a lot of fun were the, um, and Ashbury bases. Yeah. Like the tiny, like half scale. Like I think they're like a 21 inch scale. Or oh, something. they're, they're small like that. Yeah. Uh, but that's bases been... with a silicone, like silicone rubber string. Well, they look like they have, uh, uh, hot glue gun sticks. Yeah. Or strings. No, that's exactly what, Oh, so that's, that's the solution. If you break a string, you just, just get some hot glue, just get some hot glue, melt it down, melt all the sticks together. And it's you got a totally, new string. It's a totally different material. It's like a soft rubber. Yeah, yeah. But that whole concept's been resurrected as like those uke bases now, which looks right. Those look way cooler. But those strings are all black. I only want, no, those, they make them. I in, only want those clear strings. They make them in all kinds of colors. Oh, do they? Yeah. I've I literally every uke base I've played has had black strings. That's been, I've a, seen a them as, in kind of like a yellowish woodish tone. Huh. I think I've seen them in white. They should do them in like, I mean, it's, it's silicone rubber. They should make it in like tie dye colors. Yeah. They should do like the, um, the DR thing and just have different color for each string. They should fade from the bridge to the nut from like, and it looked like gummy worms where it like mm. fades from green to yellow. They should, like alternates green, yellow, green, yellow. They should fade into you. People who make those strings, who make the uke base strings, make gummy worm colors. I'll, I'll try to buy one. Green, I'll try red, to buy a uke base. Just green, have, red, green, red, green, red. You know, if you, you pineapple did, red, if you pineapple did, red. If you did gum gummy worm uh, colors and you did it right, it just looks super like it just looks super reggae. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and make it out of gummy worm material so I can eat the ends off when I trim the strings. I don't know if that's going to have the tensile strength required. So it don't it don't matter. Scary. It's worth the joke, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh besides talking about this awful Floyd Rose concept that is toast now, there's no way they still make any guitars that support this, right? Like that whole program scrapped, right? I've ne- I have not even seen one of the I've it's, seen the I've seen like the the like used ones in stores and every time I see them I'm like what are you going to do with this? I didn't even know they still made the strings. Right. Well, I don't think they still make the strings. I think the strings just still exist. Right. But they, I mean, they still at least have enough of them that they are available for purchase online. There's some article on the gear page 
called How to Resolve the Floyd Rose Speed Loader Fiasco. <laughs> so apparently there's a fiasco. I don't even know what it is. The, it, it exists. That is this a person fiasco. says that the company seemingly has lacks the ability to create strings for it. So maybe maybe them. the strings that are available now are new old stock. Yeah. That makes them extra vintage and more special for buying. If you've got one of these was, guitar- was that a sentence? <laughs> if you got one of these guitars right now, don't bring a string. Buy as many strings as you can. Yeah. Like seriously, the fact that we're saying that there's strings available on musicians friend, get on there now. You've got to buy futures. In this guitar, like even if you plan on One selling it days, someday, like you got to be like, here's this guitar. Don't worry, I've got 50 packs of strings for you, lifetime supply. Yeah, uh, you say you just buy those now, ten dollars a pack in 20 years, those packs will be worth like twelve dollars a pack. <laughs> All right, you got anything new, Steve? Yeah, I got something new in the Whoa, mail. A box, uh, I got a box. This came from FedEx, did not come. On the initial shipping date. This is from Drop. I don't even know what this is. This is a thing I bought because... You bought it? I bought it. I buy things, Ryan. I'm not a... I'm not as... You're not a moocher uh, like me? I'm not as a... leech? I'm just not a hustler. Oh, hustler is the word you're going to use. You're kinder to me than I am. Oh, my gosh. Hurry Um, up and open it, Steve. I don't even know what it... What is a Drop. No, it's from the website Drop, which used to be Mass Drop. Oh. Now it's Drop. This actually came up very conveniently. The right ear on my uh, AudioFly in-ear monitors went out, and I don't know why. And I contacted them, and they said, send proof of purchase. And I don't have that, so I haven't written them back because I got it in the Premier Guitar Mystery Box. Oh. <laughs> um, which, I mean, they I imagine they would still cover. Well, you got to send them your receipt for your Mystery Box purchase. Right. Um, oh, here's the end that says open. So these are in-ears. Yeah, so these are the tin Hi-Fi uh, T3s, which is their new thing. Oh, my gosh. It says Steve open. Steve sucks at boxes. Apparently. Why am I not surprised? Wink, wink, wink. Wow. They, uh, oh, there we go. Euphemism. Ryan euphemized. Ask, ask your parents, kids. They'll explain it to you. Man, oh, this a fancy packaging. box. Whoa, look at that wire. Look at all these tips. Nice tips, Steve. Thanks. This cable is fancy looking. It's like gold and silver. And uh, this is the ear right here. That's one of them. Wow. This is, I actually got these. A lot of people recommend like different How much were these? Um, Like 60, 40? 60, 40? Somewhere That's a pretty there. fatty uh, ground, grind of beef, Steve, but I think right it's going to work for these um, earplugs. Oh, this is just a packing right. slip. So Don't no read price. that, Steve. Woo. Yeah, drop them. 60, 60 or 40 bucks, that's not bad at all. Yeah, they look good. I don't know how they will sound. It's a uh, single balance armature and a single dynamic driver. Um, they The previous version, the T2, was pretty well-reviewed, so... Yeah. I just want to try them out. Uh, I'm really like super picky with ears I've found because I've tried a bunch of different kinds and like if it doesn't fit right and it's I think it's all just because I play bass. Uh huh. Um, and really, what this all drives back to is I really need to get my ultimate ears refit and figure out what why they don't why they've never fit right. I'm still using my ultimate um, ears; they're great. Though the UE7 like is not the 
supposed to be the best for bass. I mean, I can't imagine they're that bad. I've actually been I using. Mean, I hear I hear our bass is just fine, but it's different when you're listening to your own signal. Yeah. Um, I've been using the Sure. 215s uh-huh. which have like pretty like some people say they're great some people say whatever i i think honestly i think in-ears for guitar is really easy yeah like i and i mean yeah you i mean can, honestly you probably don't need in-ears you can probably just use your your earbuds or whatever for right and, and i i understand like for a lot of people that sounds like heresy and is, is it going to sound buzzy is it going to potentially sound bad yes 100 percent like, but I'm, the the frequency range that a guitar covers is so like kind of like middle of the road. Yeah, it's very passable. Yeah. Um, but like, I tried. You know, I I try two or three different pairs uh, for like bass, like uh-huh. just specifically for bass, and like could not get them to work. Even like my UE sevens, even though they fit bad, like I can use them for guitar because the bad fit, I think prevents like the good seal to transfer the base. Yeah. Cause I think the base is transfer really like the base. That base signal is really like a, is like an armature to bone transfer. Sure. So if you're not getting that, you're not, uh, you're not going to get a good sound. Someone was posting an article around, uh, saying or claiming that all these multi-driver in-ears are bad technology and it's better technology to have single driver or lower amounts of drivers. I didn't read the article, but I read the headline, and now I have opinions on that it. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it's really interesting because you have a lot a lot of these companies that will put out, I think, uh, ZST, is, I'm, KZ, KZ Audio just put out a 16 driver. And they're like one of these Chinese brands. Well, because they're all armatures. Oh, so okay. all, do you know about armatures? Basic, right here. Basically that. That's what an armature is. An armature no, right it's here. just like a little... Um, okay, Rumble Pack, Nintendo 64. Right, right. That's an armature. Okay. So now imagine that really tiny and really fast. It's going to produce like specific frequencies. Right. I realize that, the, that they're made to handle specific frequencies. So yeah. it's like you're not sharing all your frequencies across a single but, drive. Yeah, at 16, it's like, are you really discerning all of that? Right. And there are plenty of people who are saying that I've, you know, that I'm reading that say like, you can't really discern the difference between like three high, high quality armatures versus like 10 medium to low quality armatures. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I got. You got anything new, Ryan? I do have something new, Steve. I, uh, I, I bought a Jaguar, not the car. I know that's what everyone has suspected right away, but I, I bought this, uh, eighties, Japanese Jaguar here. Yeah, this is an E-Series. So yeah. the shop, the shop, Guitar Center, uh, said it was a 86, right? Uh, yeah, that's what the tag said. Um, I haven't had the neck off yet to see if there's a date tag in there yet. Um, but should I tell the full story behind this? Tell the I haven't story. told anywhere. I was saving it for the podcast, so I might as well indulge myself, right, and tell the story. Um, so I was going to Guitar Center to give away that Firefly guitar. Yeah. Because people voted for me to give it away and, and gave me money to do that. Mm-hmm. And I went there on a Wednesday and I went too early and there were no kids at Guitar Center at all. I sat there for like an hour and I filmed myself like trying to get it, like like trying to find a kid to give this guitar away to. No kids showed up at Guitar Center. I thought it was still summer break, but apparently some kids are in school now. 
Yeah, or maybe it's just like on a Wednesday, no kids go to guitar center. Year round schools are in uh, are in session. So, anyways, I'm there on a Wednesday. Uh, I'm like, well, I might as well go into guitar center. I go in. Oh yeah, I was also trying to sell that airline. That's oh, another right, right. So I went in to sell the airline fifty nine two PT, the Telecaster loadout one, because I've just been trying did to. You, did you sell that? You I did. Saw it. I've been. Oh. That's part of the story, Steve. Yeah. I've been trying to get rid of stuff and have less guitars. Here, I have a guitar I've just bought. So I walk in. They're figuring out what they were going to pay me for the guitar. Long story short, they were going to give me two fifty. I was like, hell no, I can go sell this for a hundred more than that easy, like today on Craigslist. And the salesperson mm-hmm. agreed. And he was like, you're right. You should do that. Uh, but while I was waiting for them to figure it out, I saw this thing sitting on the rack. Yeah. And it just immediately spoke to me. I was like, what is this? And then I saw the price tag and the price tag was like seven eighty nine, I think. That's, yeah. That's, something like that. That's pre-tax. Right. And I'm like, Oh man, I, it, I'm in a world where I could afford that mm-hmm. if I really like made some stuff happen. And so I picked it up. I was playing around with it. I was like, I started, I took pictures of it and I texted the pictures to, to Mike Adams, mm-hmm. uh, Pusheen, as he's known on Instagram on the internet. And because he's a big expert on offsets, obviously. Right. I was like, what do you know about this year? What do you know about like what I'm looking at here? He's like, well, those pickups are American vintage reissues. I can tell by the pull pieces. That's crazy. This and that. Uh, you know, the bodies are, you know, the wood is good. The hardware is bad on these, this and that. The bad. Uh, and he had all these opinions. And then he was like, at that price, you, I command you to buy this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. I'm waiting for them to figure out what they're going to give me for the airline. Mm-hmm. If they can hit like 400, I'll walk out of here with this. Right. They offered 250 and I was like, I, I can't do it. I don't have cash in pocket. I, I need to sell this guitar. So I walked away on a Wednesday, went home, have just been, had just been obsessing about this guitar. Yeah. Like it's all I was thinking about all day. I was, my plan was to go back to Guitar Center on Saturday to try to find a kid to give the Firefly away to. And so in between Wednesday and Saturday, I was just listing stuff to sell. Mm-hmm. Like what pedals can I sell? What I listed my PV classic 50 for sale. And I, I put the, uh, oh, this is another side tangent. I, I was putting stuff up on offer up, which is my yeah. first time messing with offer up. That is crazy. Offer up is insane. Uh, so I put the, the Eastwood airline up on offer up. I kept getting like tire kickers, mm-hmm. like people who are kind of interested in it, people not committing, people banding it and being like, oh, I'll call you tomorrow. I'm going to check out this other guitar. And they, I'm just like, this thing's not going to sell in time before Saturday. I'm not going to get the Jaguar. The Jaguar's probably already sold. Someone else bought it. I'm just like feeling anxiety over this guitar yeah. that I probably shouldn't buy because I have too many guitars. And I was basically like, Jesus, take the wheel on this, like make things line up for me to buy this if I'm right, supposed right. to buy it. And on Saturday before I leave to go film, uh, this guy starts texting me and he or messaging me through offer up. And he's like, I'm coming down from Riverside to buy this thing. Dang. I'm like, oh, okay. He gets down here. I sell him the guitar. He barely plays it. He's just like, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is the one. Throws me 400 bucks, leaves. That same morning, mm-hmm. sold a $200 pedal. Nice. I was like, okay, I've got 600 bucks in my pocket now. If it's there, I'm going to buy it. 
I go to Guitar Center. It's there. I give away the Firefly in the parking lot to a kid. Right. Uh, I have to then put down $100 on layaway because the 30-day wait period wasn't up. The 30-day wait period was over the next day. Yeah. So I had to drive back up to Guitar Center on Sunday to pick this up. So I went to Guitar Center three days. Once you put on layaway, though, that lock does that lock it in for you for like a month? Yeah, I could have gone back a week later, but I wanted it right away. Right, right. So anyways, I've got this thing now. I super love it. It plays great. The neck is super fast and kind of thin. Yeah. Uh, the frets on it really remind me of the fret wire that's on the new Ventura mm. uh, uh, offenders that just came out. So that's kind of the era that they're modeling with the Ventura is this kind of fret wire. The pickups sound awesome. Yeah, I think it's Ventura. Ventura? I don't know. I don't know. But, but anyways, I had originally planned on doing a bunch of mods to this. And once I got it home, I was like, I like it so much as it is. I don't right. know if I can justify it now. I mean, Mike might, uh, I might meet up with Mike and we'll figure out some mods for it or figure out some tweaks for it to get it playing its best. Um, but I don't know. That, one of the crazy things about it is that I had a Jaguar before that I did not gel with. I had yeah. a CIJ, like a really recent CIJ. Right. And it just didn't feel good to me. It didn't sound good to me. I didn't have fun playing it. And this one is just more magic to me. And once I get it live, then I'll figure out if I want to swap in the mastery on it because I've got the mastery on the Squire Jazzmaster. Mm-hmm. But so far at home, it feel, the stock bridge feels fine. It had a little bit of buzz on the high E when I bought it, but I was able to dial that out just by adjusting the screws. It felt good when I was messing around. Like It felt really solid all around. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't like super crazy on the trim or anything but everything seemed pretty stable well when i bought it it was dialed so that the the trim sorry, was like sorry. vibrato the vibrato, vibrato was locked all the way out right which is like it's more tuning stable if a string goes out of tune or you break a string or whatever yeah uh but the problem is and mike told me this he's at the trim route on the mijs is smaller mm. and what that was causing was it was like catching on the wood in there so, like, to use the gotcha. trim, I'd have to, like, overcome this catching thing that was happening. Right. So I set it to be balanced, mm-hmm. to be floating, basically, and there's no issues with it now. It floats nice and smooth now. The, when, the morning you posted that you were going to go get it, you're like, after church, I'm going to go get this. I, my first thought was, like, what time does Ryan get out of church? Well, what time do you get out of church? We, uh, around noon, but we went and got lunch before I went and picked it up. So I, I was a little – I was, like, two hours late. Okay, because – were you just posting pictures before you... Oh, I had pictures from the day before. Dang it! That's why I didn't have it yet. Dang it. Yeah. I thought you had I thought you had gotten out early because I was just... Though, granted, like two hours after was also like would have been pointless. Because you were joking that you were going to go buy it I was first. Gonna, I, I was joking that I was going to go buy it. And so what I wanted to do what, was... Were you going to super Steve it in the parking lot when I roll up? No, what I wanted to do <laughs> was just get it. And then, like, go into, like, take it to, like, a different place. Like, just take it away from the vintage rack. Like, the used gear rack into, like, a different part of the store. And just be in there, like, just start playing it for, like, I was like, ah, it's probably, like, a 15-minute window. Like, just mess around with it for 15 minutes and then, like, wait for you to come in and be like, dude, Ryan, check out this sick guitar. shut up. (laughs) Like, now, one thing I didn't think about, you know, you're talking about that airline story is, um... Granted, you said you wanted at least four fifty for it. I wanted four hundred for it. Well, once I figured out that I wanted to buy the Jaguar, I was like, I can move this quick for four hundred, right? Because well, I have so been you- trying to get six hundred for it, got zero hits. Then I moved it down to five hundred, and I had it like on a reverb, yeah, zero hits on it. 
And then moving it to 400, then I started getting a lot of hits. So, so what I was thinking is what you should have done is uh, you should have asked how far they would have dropped this guitar with that because sometimes they'll do that where it's like if you yeah if you like sell if they had if dropped you sell slash trade a piece of gear they'll they'll do like a bigger discount i mean they so were I've, looking at that jag though like that's for sure gonna sell right okay like when when i bought it like three different salespeople were like oh the jag that thing is cool yeah like so okay. they knew like that thing is gonna sell the price was right yeah like yeah. at basically eight sixty out the door mm-hmm Went on eBay, MIJs of this year. Like 12, 13? Yeah, they're going over a grand. So I got a good price on it. They've had it priced to move. Yeah. Also, apparently, I, Chris Weeks, IRL buddy of ours, claims yes. that he owned this exact one. What? He said that on, on Instagram. He's like, whoa, I owned that exact guitar, that one. So did he, like, sell on Craigslist? Well, I, and asked, then- I asked him if he sold it to Guitar Center, and he didn't reply to me. <laughs> But the guy at Guitar Center who was who who checked me out with it, uh, he was like, "Oh, I know the guy who sold this to us." I didn't ask him who it was. I, what, if I had known, I would have been like, "Oh, was it Chris Weeks?" Right. Yeah. Um, also, what band was Chris in that we used to play with all the time? The Goomies. The Goomies. That's right. Yeah. Um, follow up. Oh, just in reference to what I was saying, not like follow up comment. Um, the whole thing with. So I don't know if they still do it, but Guitar Center used to do a thing where if you, tr- they had, they just said, you know, trade in special, trade in a, you know, if you're trading a guitar and get a, get a 10% discount over like the, the gear that you want kind of a thing. Mm. And so people would go and, um, trade in anything. And depending on who your salesperson is, like people would go and like trade in an affinity, like Squire they to buy like a Les Paul studio or like a let not a Les Paul studio, but like a Les Paul standard. Yeah. So it's a 10% discount. So literally you're trading in a 75, maybe $90 guitar for, $300 for, for like discount. a $250, $300 discount. People I've seen at least one person claim that they did this with a DS one that oh they gosh. traded a DS DS one in for like a $200 discount on a guitar. That's wild. You know, guitar center is still making a profit off of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they wouldn't let sure. it happen for longer than five minutes. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, I mean, maybe it's yeah. still a thing. I don't know. But they uh, they spent a lot of time trying to figure out how much the airline was worth. I was in there for a good like twenty minutes, half an hour. Well, which when is why I got ma- so acquainted with that. When thing. you mentioned it, like I jumped on uh, both Reverb and eBay, and there's basically like there. I don't think there was a single sold example on eBay. Well, here's the problem with that guitar. It's a unique loadout for an airline yeah. because it has a Telecaster loadout. Two, it played really, really nice. And the yeah. only reason I was selling it is because I have a lot of Telecasters now. Right. I don't need the redundancy, and I still have another And if airline. you're going to do a Telecaster, like, I'm gonna do people te- kind of want to see a traditional-looking Telecaster. I'm going to grab the Jennings. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm going to grab uh, whatever else I have up here. Uh, the three Humbucker Squire. So I think people aren't selling them if they have them because they're a great playing guitar, great sounding guitar. Yeah. And also, there's just not a ton of them out there. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I was looking for it, I say that there was like one or two on eBay, but I actually think the at least one of the ones I saw on eBay was not the. It was just the two P model, not the two PT. Right, right. It's the Telecaster loadout yeah. that makes it funky, you know. Which honestly, it was. It's a much faster playing guitar than the three P I have back yeah. here is. It's which also is like the, a more classic. Airline. It's also the fact that when you set the. Uh, set the volume to nine and the tone to six and then flick the switch three times. It automatically plays 
uh, play that funky music, white boy, that makes it funky. That makes it funky. That makes it very funky. Another funny thing is like, I should have named a better funk era yeah, song. Yeah, seriously, than that. that's no just kidding, what. Steve. Uh, the guy who came, the guy who came and bought it was extremely enthusiastic. Like I said, he drove mm-hmm. like hour forty five minutes or something like that to yes. come get it. Didn't have a single piece of information about the guitar right. Like, he kept like saying things like, no, that's not really true. And then I would like say like something about the guitar. And he's like, oh no, it actually is this. And I'd be like, eh, just buy it. I guess like take it home. You're excited about it. Like he was like, oh, you must've bought this back in 2007. Uh, no, I got it from the company two years ago. Yeah. They only made these in 2007. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're selling them right now. I, I don't know. And then at some point, he's like, "Dude, I love this bass," <laughs> and I'm pretty close to certain that the original ones were made out of what they called resin glass, right? Which was this a, was wood, which was a fiberglass. Mm-hmm. And he kept claiming that the original ones were made out of just straight plastic. And like, I, they're fiberglass, dude. He's like, no. They were made out of plastic. I don't even think the like the fifties or sixties ones or whatever weren't even made out of like just plastic. No, they were fiber. I've seen gut, I've seen yeah. gut shots of the bodies, and there's a company that sells uh, body kits, right? Where you put your own neck on it that are fiberglass. Yeah, because that's what you're going for. So this guy who was extremely enthusiastic but had all the wrong information is not going to change his playing experience with the guitar. He's going to love the sure, guitar, but. Sure. It's going to change his ability to resell it when he lists everything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is from 2007, and it's made out of plastic. <laughs> and it's a bass. And it's a bass. <laughs> I've been using this bass for, since 2007. Uh, sponsors? Yeah, this week's first sponsor is Chase. Bliss. Audio. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, offering a... Digital brain and an analog heart. The Chase Bliss audio pedal lineup has reverbs, delays, choruses. I was using their pedal this week. Tremolos. Which one? That has a digital brain and a digital heart. Oh. I've been using the Dark World reverb. Uh, I've got another reverb farther up my board that's giving me my spring sounds, and I've gone full ambient uh, like moody. So you just play one note like, at the beginning of the service, and thirty minutes later, you roll your volume pedal off. Uh, what is it? A uh, 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 shimmer verb. I've gone full shimmer verb oh, on man. it, and it is it is a beautiful sounding reverb. I throw on both sides of it. I've got the uh, the plate setting mm-hmm. dialed in to be pretty long and lush and ambient, going into that shimmered sound. And man, it just takes you to another planet. It is. Pretty incredible. And then I throw like a tremolo after that and I get all wild. I throw delays after that. I, I you know, I lay down this whole landscape. You're so of wild, ambience, Ryan. guys. I'd say it's buck wild, Steve. All right, all right. <laughs> if you want to get whatever things that he just said that were a bunch of words, I zoned out because it was if you kind liked, of a dumb story. If you liked all my words... Check out Chase Bliss Audio, especially the Dark World. If you hated all of his words, also check out Chase Bliss Audio. Mm-hmm. They do have a great pedal lineup. Yeah, uh, they are fully, fully, very full featured, like all kinds of options. But at their core, they are just great sounding pedals. Imagine a bucket full of features. Chase Bliss's bucket is overflowing. Imagine a bucket that's also kind of wild. Bucket wild. <laughs> 
Hell yeah. I like where you're going with this. Theme. All right. Uh, this first topic was sent in by Andrew Smith. Uh, did we say chasebusaudio.com? Chasebusaudio.com. All right. They make this pedals first, more creative than you are. Uh, this first topic was sent in by Andrew Smith. He says, bass collecting versus guitar collecting context. I own about 10 guitars and two basses, though I only perform live as a bassist. I have no urge to collect basses, and two is more than I care to own. Yet I have a desire to own more guitars, even though I know I don't need them. That's like the full, st- it's a statement. That is the right. absolute truth. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anyone who has as many basses as, like, the average guitarist has guitars that I know. Right, right. I mean... I mean, the average guitarist is not is not uncommon for someone to own four guitars. An acoustic, at least. Mm-hmm. Like a humbucker electric, a single coil electric, and then something... You know, Something off the else. beaten path, a P90 yeah. or, you know, like a, a, you know, like some sort of other variation. Like the, it's really common for people to have around four guitars. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal at all. But like a bassist, you've got, you own, I own two basses. Two basses right now. And you borrow a third. Correct. Our friend Meg, who's a bassist, owns one bass. As far as I know. Trying to think. Uh, the, a guy I play with at church owns two basses. Yeah. And two add con- But then the other basses, the one other, okay, I think two, I have a, a lot of basses at church I play with. Two of them have Jeez. at least two basses. The rest have one bass. Right. As far as I'm aware. I can't think of any basses I know that have more than two basses. I mean, that doesn't sound like covering all your bases to me. I don't. One of these pads does the drum roll. That might be it. We're not wearing headphones, so I can't hear it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, uh, and to add context to this, I guess. Um, Do you want to own more bases? I own two bases, um, but I. No, you know. Okay, so I can answer that too. So I own two bases. I perform. Primarily live as a bass player, um, I was in one band where I was a was a guitar player. Uh-huh. Um, but most of even like pretty much every context I've I've been in, when I had a third bass, it was like a beater bass that just hung around. And I ended up loaning, you got the third bass. I ended up uh, I ended up loaning nice. it to a kid whose car got broken into. But I was like, they're like, oh man, like how much? Like I'll pay you back whatever. I'm like, dude, that was like a beat to crap squire. Like I don't care. Like I forgot just, about that bass. Yeah, it it gone. It's, it gone. It got stolen. Yeah, um, that was like a affinity thing. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but in this context, like I own two bases. I'm not even a bassist. I own a bass, and uh, I own uh, that are currently playable. Two acoustic guitars that are playable. One, two, three, four. Five electric guitars that are playable, I think. And eight that aren't playable. <laughs> One that's not playable. One's over there in the cubby. Oh, two, I guess two that aren't playable. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, to that point, like, I have all these guitars that, like, I don't, like, the last time. You don't, I haven't play, even, you don't play as much as your I bass. I have not played bass live. Or I have not played guitar live. I don't think I've played guitar live this year. Is it just that, like, guitar, like, it feels like the variations in them matter more. So I think the, I think that is the thing is, is like single um, coils versus humbuckers is a bigger step than 
a jazz bass to a P bass? Jazz bass to a P bass is pretty is a pretty notable step in the the body not the body style but the neck styles between the two are pretty different. Right. But no, there is a lot of variation in the bass world. Like, there, there is, but when you're talking about, about it. when you're talking about class, like the classic bass sounds, it's not really until you're doing something um, that requires like a ton of versatility that you're like, oh, I need this other bass. You here's know? my here's oh, oh, you're gonna you're gonna play Rush, you're gonna play Prague, right? Like classic Prague, you get a jazz bass. You're gonna play jazz, you get a jazz bass. You want to play. Like anything pop, you just get a jazz bass. You want to play anything aggressive or alternative, you get a P bass. Like unless you're yeah. going for something like super specific. Is like, like their uh, Ernie Ball basses, are those kind of P bass territory and uh, sound? I I they, would say that they, they kind of have their own thing, but they're probably ballparkish. Like they're like a thick, fat tone. They're kind of more like, I would say like a P bass is probably more rumbly okay. than like a Stingray. Uh, That's because what it's the called pi- the stingray. The pickup is That's in like has. a in like a mid forward position, whereas the stingray is a bridge position, so a br- it's going to have a lot more attack. Yeah, uh, and then you know the one of the the guys who works at who's uh, one of the the I think his title is creative director uh, at my church. Uh, so he runs the tech. He he does music and uh-huh. everything. Um, he also runs like he does studio work uh, as a producer. And um, and he was looking for a bass, so he bought a uh, Fender Reggie Hamilton bass, which is jazz in the bridge and uh, precision in the neck with a uh, jazz neck. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a jack-of-all-trades bass. Like the, is that the mullet of basses, that loadout? No, it's the... Party in the, in the know, back, business up it's front? The, uh, H-H, it's the HSS Strat uh, of basses. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even a bassist, and I could sit here and rattle off every bass I would buy if I was a bassist. Right. And I'd have way more. Like, I'd have a Hoffner bass. I'd have a Dana Longhorn. Then I'd have to cover my base, my bass bases by having at least a P bass and jazz bass variation. Right. And like, I would go crazy, but maybe that's a guitarist mentality. And maybe that is here. Here's like my super offensive take on this. Like maybe it's all mentalities mm-hmm. like, and a guitarist is just has a mentality of like, I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to get as much as I want. I'm going to be at the front of the stage. I'm going to be loud. And I don't care how obnoxious it is. I'm going to get what I want. Where a bassist is like, oh, you know, like, I don't want to be in a band and play music. And I want to make sure I, you know, maximize my use, right. my ability to, to like really hunt out like the band I want to be in. So I'll pick up something more uh, utilitarian and needed like bass. And they're, they're more like laid back and more like, uh, like not as like aggressive about their mentality towards what they're sure. doing. I think there's also, so there's some of that, some of it's because on the low end, like there's just, they not settle. As much. They've settled for is playing that, the Maybe bass. that's what it is. Um, there's, there's a little, I think there's less, I don't want to say there's less interaction, but because you're, you know, your frequency range on the bass is a lot more limited. Yeah. You're also um, doing less to your signal because you're going for more of a hi-fi, like really cover this sound in a clean range sort of thing. We're like right. guitar is so much about getting tools to distress your tone, essentially to like yeah. to yeah. add resistance and to add character and to take parts out of your tone. Where bass is 
is like their mentality is like I've got to just master this chunk of the frequency range, and I'm not trying to lose stuff. I'm trying to preserve stuff. Right there, I I think that those those frequency ranges do play a lot into it. You know, um, no one. I don't want to say no one. Sure, uh, but uh, you know, you think about like what is your classic. Uh, strat pickup tone it's like a well-defined but not like boomy but it's a well-defined like low end like your low e like can come through maybe it comes through aggressively but when you like roll it back a little like you still have like you know oh bell like tones and right, whatever, right whatever like there's definitely like a mid range like there's ranges with the bass but, but yeah, also you're like really people- looking at at a much smaller frequency range people Guitarists are like, oh yeah, this is like my guitar that I use for clean tones because those singles just sparkle when they hit, you know, like a light drive. And this is my guitar for high gain because it's got this hot humbucker. Right. And this is my guitar for chugga chugga stuff and this and that. Like, there's all this variation of tones where, like, bass tone, there is variation in it, but it's not quite as extreme. And it's more about establishing like the tone of the actual bass and not the tone of the effects that it's pushing against. I think maybe even uh, it could be fair to go as far as to say, um, now you see it, you're seeing it, this kind of change, I think on, on guitar, or maybe it has changed. You could say it has changed. Um, but um, bass, the way a bass sounds, basically the way a bass sounds, changes a lot based on your technique i think more so than a guitar so like pick bass like a picked p bass sure is like a very like oh yeah th- that's that's like the quintessential again you know it's a quintessential punk sound is a picked p bass right but then it's like for me slappy or just you're getting just going like i can get three very different tones out of the same pickup just between, am I going to play with my thumb? Right. Am I going to play with a pick or am I going to play, you know, so, you know, am yeah. I playing with a pick? Am I playing, you know, with just the side of my thumb, which gets a very like woody, like 60s R&B kind of a sound? Yeah, yeah. Or am I going to like finger pick, which is yeah. like a more plucky, it's like, but it's plucky in a bright way that's not like, I actually find pick playing to be bright in a, like an aggressive way, but pick, like finger, like it's, and so it's like, I'm not changing anything else about the instrument. I'm getting like three very, to sure. me, different sounds. And to an extent, you get that with guitar as well. You but do. But it's like bass is certainly pretty dramatic in that territory. Yeah. Like slap bass versus, uh, you know, thumb plucked bass is right. completely different. Like you're saying pick bass and finger picking bass. And, and yeah, whatnot. I'm not even talking about like slapping and tapping. tapping. Yeah, and you, all can, that. you can also hit the bass with your dick. You know, you could play with your teeth. You know, there's all kinds of different ways to get a variety of desirable tones out of a bass. And I mean, you can all do all of those things on guitar, but they're just, it's not as common. Right, right. It just you doesn't know. feel as good to hit a guitar with your dick. <laughs> The strings are too sharp, you know? You got, you got that big string to hit against. You need that big dick energy. <laughs> this next ad was sent by Drew Ziam. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I always name. thought it was Ziam. Ziam. That sounds better. Could be, is it Drewzium? Drewzium? That sounds like a band name. Night at the Drewzium? Night at the Drewzium. 
<laughs> this thing is a bunch of fun. It's a hillbilly redneck VP bass with this all this long guitar content this episode. Oh. 2015 natural finish. Uh, I'm, if you're if you're not watching the YouTube version of the podcast, you I'll gotta describe get this, this picture. You gotta look at the picture because it needs to be looked at. Uh, you know how there's you know cuts of wood. They're very very fashionable these days that have like the live edge on them. Like you have the bark of the tree mm-hmm. or the edge of the tree incorporated into the piece of wood that's on your you know your shelf or your cabinet or something like that. Uh, this is a live edge flying V base, and that they've taken the cross section of like a like the Y branch part of a tree and yeah. cut a slice out of it, so you get this V shape. But then it's totally just like like a branch out of a tree. Yeah, and it it's, says, uh, it it's says, kind of really fun. It says for sale is this piece of Americana. Uh, I, I, Does this qualify as Americana? Are we calling everything Americana now that's like slightly woodsy and rustic? Is that what they're calling? Okay, my friend had a piece of box elder tree that was configured just right to make a natural V base. So you're using some ingenuity in the parts from a silver tone base he made his own. Adding his own addition to the headstock. So all of the running gear is conventional, but the body is most decidedly is not. It's about the same weight as a regular P-Base. In fact, a bit lighter. It's a product of an unconventional mind. Nicely balanced, one-piece style. Pickup, tone and volume. Aluminum access panel held on magnetically. Adjustable truss rod. So here's here's my take on this. Is It looks cool, um, but this is on reverb, and this does not look $600 cool. Yeah, because it's four fifty plus one fifty shipping. The guts on this, the silver tone base, that's like a hundred dollar local price. What would you pay for this item? Like, I don't know. If you liked it, you're buying it because you like it, Steve. That's okay. part of the scenario. So I'm buying this because I like this because so I'm because you're in a country bears jamboree tribute band. So the only scenario where I come across this, I'm saying like if I'm I'm in a guitar center because I'm trying to sell something and I just happen to see this thing, I'm like, what the heck is I've this? I've got to have it, man. I don't know, three hundred maybe, and that's okay, so it's got to be a real player. So you're not saying calling this trash. You're not calling this seventy five. No, I just don't think this is four fifty. What did he say then? That came off of it's came off of a silver tone. Like this is so it could be okay. It could be garbage. It's a modern silver tone. Yeah, I'm saying like you might as well say that this came off of a Squire Fire Affinity. Affinity. Yeah, uh, yeah. The neck isn't the selling point here, but you know that there's going to be kind of a universal neck pocket there that you could throw something nicer into if you wanted to. Um, I just think the novelty's there. Well, I think the look is cool. I think the shape works. It's definitely giving you V vibes. Without, did, did you like, see the knobs? I did see the knobs. They're wood. Uh, without being like. Oh man, they they cut this to be like a wonky V. No, this yeah. is just a piece of wood that happens to be a V, and it is like really doing a good job of being both a V and a piece of wood. And this does have the uh, uh, thumb rest uh, between the pickup and the bridge. It's almost more like, the, like the, I do kind of like that. It's almost more like the BC Rich Warlock shape on the ends of the Vs here, right? On right. the points of it, it's, like where it's I'm squared off. I'm not saying off. that this is horrible. The the headstock is. The headstock leaves something to be desired because they did something. They went too decorative. Uh, I might, you might say, Ryan, that the headstock leaves something to be desired. I hope that's the right <laughs> trigger I just pressed. I think it's the drum roll. We need to mark those. <laughs> so anyways. It was probably the crickets. It would have been better for them to continue the live edge theme. 
yeah. up on the headstock and have a piece of bark along the edge of the headstock. Mm-hmm. Um, this decorative like leaf carving thing, not a fan. So first thing, this is a hillbilly redneck VP base, and then it says it's a piece of Americana, and I, you know, it does kind of feel like it's just throwing words at this point. Look at the giant route on the back. Of yeah, it. that's uh, for that magnetic uh, whatever, whatever thing. You think that's for weight relief? Maybe. You think they cut a know. ton of wood up there? The back? There was a picture on this, and if you know, if you want to really go into reverb and hunt it down, there's a picture with that cover removed. Yeah, we just don't have a screen. Uh, I just didn't it grab that one. What if uh, this base? Oh, you know, already, this Steve? is this almost sounds like Hillbilly is a brand, but then it says this is just a friend. No, so this know. isn't branded. Um. But when I think of like a hillbilly or like a redneck instrument, I think of like those cigar box guitars. Yeah, totally. Like oil can guitars. Or a banjo variation of some yeah, um, kind. This is like, I don't know. You know, this is like a woodsy. Is it Americana? Um, I'd say that if you buy this, then you're hunting down the person who built it to also make you a matching guitar maybe two guitars so your whole band can match. And then you're like making a drum kit out of logs. I don't see this on reverb. So that means it got taken down or sold. It was up there earlier today for sure. Cause that's when I screen grabbed it. Oh, but it does say sold. So it's because I had the direct link. Oh, you had the link. Yeah. I had the link in the email. Okay. Well maybe you can track down the link and look at those pictures and I can include them in the, uh, yeah. In the video here. Um, so yeah, check it out, I guess. Uh, Look at the pictures. Man. It's cool. I don't know. I like it. Steve does, Steve's not sure, but I like it. Like, this is another bass I would buy if I was a bassist. Right. I would do this, this whole thing I have behind me with guitars. I would do that with basses if I was a bassist. But then I, did, I clearly don't have the mentality to play bass because I'm not a team how player. How many bass I'm an players do you think, or how many bass players, how many basses do you think Patrick Hunter owns? Ooh, that's a good question. You have his number? Let's call him. I'm gonna. <laughs> I might have his number. All right. Well, Ryan's looking for that question to answer. Um, this week's other sponsor is Diderio, uh, and this week's sponsored product is the Dare Diderio Diderio Universal uh, Strap Locking System, uh, designed by Ned Steinberger. Um, this thing is super cool. These are the ones all in black. Uh, most of them, I think, are black on the strap parts, but you can have different uh, pegs to install. Ryan, is, you said when did you say you're going to do a video for this? Like in a month? Uh, no, I might do it soon. I want to do soon? like a speed test. Uh, you guys have been asking for um, an installation video, so we're going to give you that. But check these out. I forgot the price on them, but it's pretty decent. And uh, this is super cool. Yeah. Are you going to do this? Uh, yeah, let's call Patrick. Let's see if he answers. We have a rig now that allows us to make phone calls. Where does he live? Uh, Northwest, I think. Okay. I was wondering if he'd be in bed. <laughs> Hopefully he answers. I, I mean, know. This otherwise, is this is really boring. Pretty boring if he doesn't Odd. answer. That's voicemail. Hello? Patrick! Ryan, this what's isn't your is not your voicemail. I'm excited. You're on the podcast right now. What's up? What? I know. Hi, Steve. Uh, hi. Uh, we have a really yeah. easy question for you. How many bases oh. do you own? Uh, 
He oh, can't. An even dozen. An wow. even dozen. We so, are, so, we, so somebody does collect basses the way that Ryan collects guitars. <laughs> hey, man, I've got like 30 guitars. <laughs> All right. We also want to know. Too many, I will admit. Where do you live, Patrick? We had that question, too. Texas. I live in Texas. I just remembered Texas. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks for your help, Patrick. Congratulations being I, our first phone it. call on the, on the uh, podcast. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I want to thank you guys. I want to thank me the most. Uh, this is very exciting. I hope to see you guys next year too. Cool. Yeah. Oh, right. Exciting. <laughs> Later dude. Bye. All right. Bye y'all. That was fun. That was different. We, we strapped on the headphones. He's not we, the first phone call. He's just the first phone call using this system. Right, right. Well, we did a phone call like in their first 10 episodes. Yeah. And we never did we it again. We just used speakerphone holding up the mic. 12, hey. 12 bases. Yeah, that's a lot. There's a lot of bases. But he had to if count. you have an all-base YouTube channel, then maybe you... Right. You know. But he's. I think he also started... Maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. I think he's, he started as a guitarist. I mean, so maybe. he might have that guitarist mentality I was talking about. Mm. Should have kept them on the line a little longer to ask. Oh, well. Oh, well. Next week. <laughs> Which is in an, in, uh, an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be super late in Texas when we call him again. Yeah. All right. Uh, this next. Did we cover this enough? Did I cover this enough? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to do a video. Dario uh, strap locks. We've talked about these a lot. Someone wants to see a speed test of these. This is the longest sponsorship ever. We took a break in the middle of it. But they're super slick. They're super flat. Uh, they're not going to stick out of your guitar like a freaking chess bishop. We keep yeah. saying that in the sponsorship spot. But it's true. And when I do the install video, I'll show just how flat they are. And I actually have one of those chess bishop, bishop locking uh, strap systems in a box around here that I don't use because it sucks. And so I'll show a comparison of how thick it is compared to those. Mike's going to get... I'm going to get personal. Personal here. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name names. another product. I'm going to take my glove off and I'm going to slap... Another company in the face. All right, uh, this, that's what they get for not sponsoring us. This next, um, this next uh, topic was sent in by Adam Dolhanek, the inboxer himself. He says, uh, "Here's one, but it's a bit esoteric. Basically, talk about how people want to achieve a tone goal, but go about it the wrong way, so it's an endless gas cycle. Example: A player really wants sustain, but they go about it via gain, which leads to unwanted compression. Another example." is um, a player who had a high wattage amp because that's what their tone hero uses, but then but they'll never achieve that tone because of the volume constraints, so they keep dumping money into workarounds instead of getting an amp that suits their needs. Hope that makes sense. I think this make, actually makes perfect sense. Total sense. Um, tonal sense. Tonal, total, tonal sense. Uh-huh. Um, and I think this is um, a big thing. You know, obviously, like, Things keep getting produced, and this is a conversation that things keep getting produced. That uh, that is, it's almost like it's almost like the. So I've talked about this. I don't think I've talked about this on the show. I'm waiting until he gets. But I read to this a article point. where they talk about his how tires are spinning the, in the mud right now. The reason now. the Office was a popular show is because the Office talks about how like so many jobs in the United States don't need to exist. Sure, like it's just middlemen, right? And. You know, when you think about it, like we had the Ibanez TS808 and the Ibanez TS9 and whatever. And, you know, that why? so why do we have, why do other companies make Tube Screamer variants? Okay. Like what is the purpose of this? And so now, you know, you have all these people who are trying to chase the SRV sound. Right. Um, which was really just like two Tube Screamers. Uh, and but, do a dumble. But there, and do, was, did he use a dumble? But it's the Tube Screamer thing we focus on. Yeah. Um, what did SRV use a dumbbell? He did. That okay. famously he did. Um, so you know, it's uh, 
or you know, it's a upside down stratic or the backwards trim strat or whatever. Right, right. Um, but you know, there there are these things where it's like you're trying to achieve these like such a perfect thing that we start chasing these sounds or start trying to use like instead of buying like the same or at least the similarest equipment, yeah, yeah. we get stuff that's like in the ballpark. And not to say that any of these newer products are bad. Like I had a uh, an Ibanez CS, I think it's the CS9 chorus. It's the stereo chorus from like the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did basically one sound, uh, which was the Andy Summer sound, even though it was a chorus, and apparently that was a vibrato. Flanger? I don't remember. Vibrato. Um, <laughs> vibrato. There, there's a big thing that comes up about how Andy Summers didn't use a chorus. He used some like similar but right. different modulation effect. Like a flanger or something. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, we we definitely do chase. By, you know, so I think that is one example of this. The water, the high water jam thing is another thing, too, where it's like, especially... 10, 15 years ago when like new metal was super big yeah. and everyone, Oh, got to get a triple rack. Got to get a dual rack. It's like, you're playing in a coffee shop, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like got to have a headroom. Do you? Yeah. Do you, you? you don't have enough headroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, rewinding a bit, the SRV point class, classic example. I read somewhere, whether it was an interview or like a secondhand account or something like that that Stevie Ray Vaughan idolized Albert King's tone. Mm. And that's what he was trying to achieve with his tone. He oh, that explains why he used so many solid-state amps. He didn't use a single piece of rig that had anything to do with Albert King's rig. Albert King, yeah. big, high-wattage, solid-state amp. Acoustic control amps. Mm-hmm. Flying... Uh, 260, 261, And I a think. flying V. Yeah. No drive that I'm aware of. Humbuckers. Humbuckers. There's a flying V. Uh, SRV to chase that tone. Strat. Stacked tube screamers. Dumble. Stacked waz. I saw, stack I saw. Waz? I saw a chart one time where he had a, had two crybabies with, oh, bit, right. with bits yeah. of wood going across them. So he's like a, a gear experimenter. Yeah. And Dumble amps or whatever else amps he used alongside those or instead of those, whatever point of his career, whatever you... You guys fight it out in the comments. I don't care. Uh So, like, the point is, like, these two famous guitarists that arguably are known for their tone Mm -hmm. were achieving their desired tone in completely different ways. But it probably has something to do with the way they play, the way they approach the instrument, Mm -hmm. the way it's interpreted through their ears. Maybe at some point, Stevie Ray Vaughan picked up a flying V and plugged into an acoustic control amp. And it's like, it's not doing it for me. Yeah. And so he went on a whole different tone journey well, and to yeah, like that, find that, that the, the experience that he has when he's listening to Albert King, he was trying to chase that experience in his own playing, you know? You know, and that's that other side of the, that whole equation of, you know, it doesn't, you can have the, all of the exact same parts as somebody else. And you're still going to sound like you, like right. sounding like um, another person is going to come down to um, is going to come down to like going beyond like it, it's there's technique there's you know the fact that you, you know you might be a six foot 
you know, six foot two, 210 pound person. And they're a right. five foot seven, 185 pound person. Like, yeah, yeah. And there's for some reason, some weird resonance that they who, got with their perfect. Who knows? Maybe it's, it's the humidity where the two different players live. Yeah. Or Sometimes it's talk. like something that you might, you like, you really have to like, again, study and get into it. And like, even watching the videos, it might not be obvious. Like I, yeah. I watched a video, um, recently on, uh, I think it was Paul David's. Okay. Um, where he talked about how on some, uh, red hot chili pepper song, uh, John Frusciani, uh, his B string was tuned. It was, instead of being tuned to B, right. It was tuned to be, I never watched that video, but I saw it going around when it was going. Yeah. It was like tuned to be like the exact, uh, frequency octave or whatever of a different note on another string. Right. Um, but it didn't have like the natural drift that you normally get on like chromatic scale. And so it made it so like this one note on that string was like perfect, like perfectly in like the right note to be complementary to this other note, but made like every other note played on that string out of tune. <laughs> and, but that was like the secret. That was actually the right. secret sauce to that song. And he's like, and so in the video, he's like, this is what it sounds like tuned standard. This is what it sounds like tuned with this one string. It's not even like a half step. It's almost like a third step or right. something. Right. It's a microtonal thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's like weird Saying that word makes like me sound that. smart. I'm not mm. smart. <laughs> also true. Yeah. Uh, have you, has there ever been like a, a tone that you've chased and either you got it or couldn't get it? I don't think so. I'm, I'm not a tone chasing person. Yeah. Probably cause I'm not very good. <laughs> a tone that I tried to chase for a long time and I still get excited when I get close to it is the rhythm guitar tone from cake. Mm. When, when you listen to it, it's just like this lo-fi, like crunchy kind of like, like overdriven sort of sound. Right. And I couldn't figure out, I mean, this was back when I was learning how to play guitars pre like internet days of, well, there's internet, but it was like pre YouTube. Right. And so I couldn't find like live videos of them playing or anything like that. All the music videos are all stylistic of people playing who knows, like, is it their actual guitars that they're playing or whatever? Um, and so I had no idea how he made that tone until I saw them live. And I tried, I bought an Ibanez lo-fi pedal thinking it would get me there. Uh, and it kind of got me there, but it was never quite right. See them live, realize the reason I couldn't get that tone is because he gets that tone by playing a freaking classical guitar with a pickup into right. like a frontman amp with the game. Oh, you don't want to do that? Turned on. And I was like, oh, that's why I'm having trouble getting that exact sound out of my electric guitar, even though it sounds like a crunchy overdriven guitar. He's using an acoustic guitar and it made so much sense. And, I, and in that moment, I was just like, oh, I give up. I'm not going to try to get that tone <laughs> exactly because now I know it doesn't come from an electric mm -hmm. guitar, you know? So I guess that was kind of my tone journey. I've never been too big into like, trying to nail like Dick Dale's tone or trying to nail, right. you know, a, a big one for uh surf guitar is trying to nail uh, the astronaut's tone. As far as the drip goes, like they had yeah. this perfect drip on every single note that they played. I, th I think I'm definitely like comfortable being in the ballpark. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like, I, I've I'm never there even... too. Like, like I, every time I get like a multi-effect unit, 
I sc- scroll through all the settings. I'm like, oh, cool, another Cliffs of Dover setting. Like, right. I don't want that exact sound because I'm not going to play that exact song. Song. I want something that gives me that style without being that. Yeah. That I can make my own. And I would even say, like, I've gone, like, I've gone to the point, and maybe this is like just kind of laziness where when I'm learning a riff and I've, I'm like, you know, looking at how other people have done it. Like I kind of just tend to pick the easiest ver like the, the, for me, like the, the note pattern that makes the most sense. So it might be something where, you know, um, the original version, the guy plays it, you know, up on the 10th fret on, uh, on, you know, the, the D and G strings, but you could also play it down on like the fifth fret on the G and B strings. Like I might opt to play that version because that's a space on the fretboard that I'm just generally more comfortable with. Now, is that kind of lazy? Yeah, but, but it works, you know, it works. And to me, it's, it's, it's close enough. Our own signature like styles and the way we do things and whatnot. And there's a certain, like there's certain, you know, to that because I'm like, okay, I want to play this riff, but yeah, I want to be able to put like a little bit of my own, uh, my own like secret sauce on it, I guess like I can di- feel like I can dig in or like I can warble a little more, like add yeah. a little more finger vibrato, like in that section of the neck. Maybe that's cool. Maybe that's not, maybe I should just play it like the record. Not cool. Steve lame. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's hit the last ad. Yeah. Before we hit this last ad, let's do a brief moment of housekeeping. If you made it this, this far, takes- uh, a moment of housekeeping. I'd like to thank uh, Shane Murray <laughs> for supporting the show at the $5 level. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash 60cyclehomecast, and you can pledge at one, two, three, any dollar amount that you would like. $32. Uh, $32. If you we don't have any $32 pledges That right is now. accurate. We do not have any $32 pledges. And you know right what, guys? Now. You don't have to pledge forever ever either. Like, we kind of have been on the same plateau of amount of pledges for probably a couple of years now, people come, people go. Yeah. We're cool with it. Don't feel the pressure. Like, Oh, if I, if I start doing that, then I'll have to do it forever. Yeah. We also super get pledge, like pledge for a month. Everyone goes through, goes through, uh, eras of life, seasons of life. We've had a lot of people who have yeah. like, you know, times of said, plenty. Hey, you know, I've been super excited that I've been able to feel like a contributor to the show, yeah. but my, you know, my, I, my family is having an addition in three months, so I'm going to drop it now because, yeah. you know, $15 or, you know, $10 a month in baby formula. Like, that's actually pretty significant. Yeah. Um, but uh, supporting us on Patreon gets you into the inner circle at the $10 level. That's like the behind-the-scenes sort of thing. Yep. You get to be close personal friends with Steve and I and everyone else behind there and uh, talk trash about everyone else in the main group and people who comment on YouTube. So it's true. All right. And, uh, and he, uh, you know, we do all our trash talking on the industry back there. So uh, if you want to check that out, uh, that's the place to be. Last ad? Yeah. Uh, so one thing that uh, about this ad is we didn't get the um, the actual words of it, so I found them. This is a Gibson Dave Grohl signature model, GG335, Pelham Blue, 2014. They're asking uh, basically $12,600 plus shipping. This is in the U.K., uh, this was also sent in by Craig Breslin, who uh, got on here twice. He has been cool. a, a heavy hitter this week. He had um, a lot of ads. So here is the description. Very long, but we will smash through it. Are you ready? Are you Fat King ready? Okay. <laughs> this is my Dave Roll DD335 2014 with custom-made wall-mounted display cabinet. It's a gorgeous cabinet. It really needs to be seen in person to be appreciated. 
It's in near mint condition and has spent most of its life in a display case. Serial 77 of 200. It's pretty much not been played. I bought it, looked at it a lot, spent some time taking the gorgeous smell of the new wood. And then life got in the way of any, getting any real joy out of it. Stunning. It even still smells new and beautiful. How does beautiful smell? I could right. I could describe a few things, Steve, but they're not proper uh-huh. for I have, a podcast, I, a family podcast I like this. I have found a very small scratch on the side. I have no idea how it got there. Considering this guitar has been cased almost all its life, it's probably a minor production defect. So this guy has like a $10,000 guitar or whatever this is new, but it's a production defect. No, all looking right. at, that, at that scratch, yeah. because it's in the the uh cutaway the neck uh-huh. cutaway i don't think that's a scratch i think that's the beginning of, of nitro cracking nice uh all the original documentation is uh, uh there's a tiny blemish on the headstock from the hanger on the display cabinet that is a little disconcerting to be on, uh, honest i don't know if i see that in the photo. um because that almost sounds like if it is a, a nitro guitar then maybe it was melting into the rubber or yeah something. Um, but yeah, I don't see either. Uh, I will gladly deliver this myself. Uh, if it's all possible, I'll even drive it on to continental Europe for a reasonable fee. Just bear in mind that I work shifts. So it could be mean waiting a few days. Please feel free to make a reasonable offer. Feel free to ask any questions at all. And I will try to answer the display cabinet comes as part of the sale. As long as I can deliver it myself, should I have to ship it to an address? I cannot personally transport it to, I will only include the cabinet if extra delivery charges are paid as is very large item. So that, uh, $251 shipping does not include the cabinet. The cabinet is not in a single no. photo. The, the, uh, the bucket wild thing about this ad is that he talks about the cabinet so much, doesn't include a photo. And then the photos of the guitar feature the guitar perched in like the riskiest way yeah, possible. On top of like an arm, like a nightstand or something. Or a dresser or whatever. But it's like, it's balancing basically on the st- the button strap peg and like the very tippy tip of the headstock. And if you're familiar with this model, you know it has the six in line like Firebird yeah. headstock. So it's like it doesn't even have the benefit of like the squared off book flat headstock of a mm-hmm. normal Gibson. This thing could tip off this dresser at any moment. And add all kinds of damage to this guitar. He's trying to t- sell for twelve grand. By the way, that price is not bizarre. There's one for nine thousand plus a hundred shipping on Reverb. There's one for twelve thousand. There's one for there is a gold eleven one for twelve thousand. There is a signed gold one for twenty five thousand. Plus two hundred. So you actually don't think that price is? You think that price? It sounds normal to me. Is normal compared to the rest of these. And also, like, I don't want to sound like I'm I'm crapping all over Dave Grohl, but of all the people that have like a signature instrument that anyone cares about, mm-hmm. I don't ever think to myself or hear anyone else saying like, "Oh man, what's the secret to that Dave Grohl tone?" He's doing. That's big, fair. He's doing big, you know, like chuggy. Yeah, uh, you know, like rock and roll, you know, fist strumming style stuff there. There's not like there's like any nuance to his playing. Right. It's That's not fair. like you couldn't get that tone, that sound with just, you know, a hot Marshall and a humbucker guitar, any humbucker guitar. I mean, this is a cool guitar. A lot of people really love this guitar. It's got those uh, diamond F holes. It's got 
the six in line Firebird headstock, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. is Pelham blue. People get a big well, old you know what it is? Blue. This is basically a Trini Lopez in blue. Right, right. But like, I can't imagine being the guy who's like, I just got to have that exact Dave Grohl right. thing. You know. Besides the six in line headstock, like I don't really know what this guitar offers that like any other right three thirty. Oh, and I guess the the again the diamond. Right, right. Which you know that could that that is a not to get too far off topic, but that is a a production or like a that's what makes that limited edition is like some of these guys they put out they're like oh I want a signature model and the the company who's going to do it is like okay we'll do it but it's going to be custom shop only yeah you know so to that it's like yeah Dave Grohl's got a twelve thousand dollar guitar but is it a twelve thousand dollar guitar because it's Dave Grohl. Because or is it a $12,000 guitar? Because they were like, yeah, we'll do it, but we're only going to make them like fully custom shop. I also didn't know that it came in this like champagne gold. I've never, I never saw that until right now. Oh, it's pretty. I'm going to have to put a picture online. Are you ready to get mean, out on of the, here? On the, on the video. I'm cutting you off this time. I mean, I'm not going to pay. I, I would, I would buy a guitar in that finish, but I'm not going to pay 12 grand for a Dave Grohl thing. I actually don't like this guitar. I'm actually not a fan of a lot of it, but I get why people like it. All right, get us out of here, Steve. All right, this uh, week's song, and this could be the last song that we do unless somebody sends us a song in the next uh, hour. Oh. Uh, is from Emily Harris. He says, hey, guys, when I was in Nashville for Summer Now, I joined a band, recorded a song, and filmed a live video. Here's a recording from the live video. I played some sort of vintage Jag, probably the one behind us, uh, into a Fender amp of some sort with a pedal I've never heard of but almost made an offer on it. This pedal is... Uh, just says Gazette on the front, and it looks like it's acid etched. Um, the band is called Michelle Sullivan and the All Night Boys, and the song is called Little Pink Room. Uh, thanks, Emily, for submitting. Uh, thanks, you, for listening. Uh, we're done. We're done. All right, bye, everybody. Stay grounded. Stay grounded.